Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. The Odds, written by Tenen Bananen. As a census ministry statistician for a government of the Orion Federation, I've had the privilege of carefully curating some of the most expensive and comprehensive data in the galaxy. And for a logic-minded quasar like myself, it has, by and large, been an extraordinary cathartic experience. This is because, with sample size often approaching the trillions, the bowel curves tend to emerge nearly everywhere one looks, be it in food production, consumption, sleep cycles, or unaugmented intelligence. I, for one, love bowel curves. And with such a large assortment of member races, 726 to date, each with its own such vast repository of historical data, often hundreds of killer cycles or more, such trends even normalize nicely across species. A desert-dwelling mammalian, the Pakatgan, may not have much in common with the amorphous tundra-dwelling such as the Uktari, but in the context of the better part of a thousand other species, they simply occupy opposite extremes of the same curves. After all, every sapient species that survives to become spacefaring does so because it adheres to a set of rules. For example, such a race must have biology and a metabolism that effectively converts chemical potential energy into electrical potential and kinetic energy. It must also possess the intellectual capacity to construct rockets. It must also hold a sense of empathy and internal pacifism to keep from destroying itself in the process. To be induced into the Federation and not outright quarantine, it must extend its empathy to other species. That is to say the race must not be a xenocidal in nature. For most of my hundred-cycle tenure on the census ministry, I've dutifully applied the laws of statistical analysis that have been honed by myself and my quasar predecessors for as long as we've been a part of the Federation. It is on this note that I wish to submit my resignation. Five cycles ago, I noticed a blip in the census data on several bell curves. At first, I thought one of my colleagues had simply made a transcription error in the survey that it could be rectified through external intervention. So I tracked him down and retranscribed the data myself. The blip grew. So I determined that the data collection methods must be flawed. I jumped onto the sector with much of my tainted data originated. It was a collection of nine colonized worlds, with five more in the process of light terraformation. All under the local authority of a young species newly induced into the Federation. They had discovered spaceflight only 200 cycles prior to this, with FTL coming 170 cycles later, and supplied census data of their own upon the Federation's request. These high primates called themselves human. Aha! I mused. I reasoned that such a new and primitive race would likely fail to collect the data with the precision standards of the Federation Census Ministry. 
introducing a systematic bias that could skew their contribution. I immediately volunteered to conduct a secondary census survey on their behalf of the hopes of moving the blip back towards the medium, using the updated data to modernize the methods. They accepted graciously, and I set off towards the nearest colony with an envoy with their best statisticians and data scientists who had hoped to learn from my anecdotal experience with the Federation. However, when we finally finished the paperwork and boarded the vessel, something seemed amiss. One human, a female, single-handedly lifted double her weight in supplies and carried a parcel to a quarter kilometer from their command building on their launch pad. They had a gymnasium on their vessel, in which one human sprinted on a static conveyor belt for what should be six to seven kilometers under half an hour. I watched in horror as two humans faced off in battles of wits, constantly working to subvert the other by playing black and white stones on a board. They called this interpersonal war a strategy game, a mental exercise that they claimed could be used to optimize the neural pathways as if such a thing was simply a normal part of life. Another human played a one-player game, also known as Rubik's Cube. For some reason, he insisted that it was more of a puzzle than a game. I'm still not entirely convinced the distinction is relevant, but I digress. Convinced that these humans were simply posturing and not representative of the whole, I opened a connection to the human provisional government in Sol 3 and requested access to their internet which they granted almost immediately. My sense of unease grew when I started watching videos of average people achieving feats that I'd been in awe at, and, to make matters worse, every few cycles humans would send their best and brightest from all across the sector to a physical and mental sporting competition known as the Olympiad, named loosely after a place of myth that was home to an ancient culture's gods. I'd seen the sporting events in the Federation before, but never had I encountered such incredible feats of strength, agility, and dexterity by any single species. Humans were literally a force to be reckoned with, that much was certain. But was it statistically significant? Perhaps their population had abnormally large degree of variance and could thus fit nicely within the model. After using my nanovasive physical and mental evaluation tool given by the Federation, I had to concede that this was not the case. In all physical and metabolic metrics, the medium outclassed that of the Federation as a whole by one by two standard deviations. Zero. Their distribution was as wide, but even their bottom 5% could stand up against the bottom 60% of the Federation citizens easily. Mentally, they were a bit closer, across most metrics. Their medium beat that of the Federation by just shy of a standard deviation, coming to a par with even the Quasar, but their distribution was very heavily skewed to the right, with their top 5% sitting at two and a half standard deviations away, and their top 1% one deviation above that. Additionally, their mere presence rendered the Federation-wide curve of intuition and creativity slightly bimodal. Their population medium was indexed at three standard deviations above Federation medium in a tight cluster with nearly no variance. I can only surmise that this species-wide intuition is the reason they managed to discover FTL so quickly after developing chemical rocketry, but that's something for a xeno-neurologist to fawn over.
As for the integrity of my data, it probably didn't help that a human generation in mere 18 standard cycles, 30 soda years on average, and one that nine newly minted colony worlds, they already numbered somewhere in the low hundred billions. By comparison, the Quasar only numbered 19 billion, even after thousands of years of growth. No wonder such physically and mentally proficient species could shift my painstakingly normalized distributions. They simply happened to be proficient in mating too, a fact that many xenophytic races came to appreciate in the early years of their integration, if you receive my trajectory. But this is not why I'm quitting. See, all of these variations are weird, but they're not entirely unexpected. Some are even fairly reasonable given the status of a race of omnivorous prey-turned-predator. These humans didn't descend to sapiens because they had a few million years of planetary dominance to lazily work everything out. They ascended by sheer force of will, using their ingenuity and creativity to create tools that augmented their already formidable physical abilities, leveraging their strengths to defeat predators that outclassed them by several standard deviations. Sol 3 is a death world, plain and simple. And these humans managed to claw their way to the top, dragging their existing predators kicking and screaming into inferiority and, uh, in some cases, extinction. They are smart, brutal, and extraordinarily cunning because they had to be. In this context, their inherent aptitudes make a great deal of sense, seeing as to how they fundamentally differ from almost every other Federation member race. No. I'm quitting because humanity goes a step further than that, into some wholly uncharted territory. In the five years since the human provisional government joined the Federation, tens of millions of humans have integrated all across the Federation space, taking mostly civilian jobs as engineers or educators, but a few military ones too. This number exploded after the first Arakan invasion forced humanity to submit to the draft. A hundred million humans served in thousands of campaigns across the arm of that time, and tens of thousands of Federation warships. Oddly enough, many of them volunteered. Of course, the Census Ministry keeps hard at work, even in wartime, collecting casualty lists and combat logs for analysis. One of the many metrics we maintain is a species-wide list of combat casualties with calls of death. Over the course of the war, 28,000 Federation ships were lost. Of those, only three were crewed by humans. And in all three cases, all humans aboard died or left before the ship was destroyed. To reiterate, not a single ship was lost with a living human on board. As far as the ships that humans aboard bore the course of the entire war, vessels were 3,738% more likely to return home. 2,627% more likely to suffer zero casualties aboard for any reason, and 2,131% more likely to successfully incapacitate an enemy vessel in combat, despite being functionally identical to all other standard-class Federation warships. The last statistic is explainable by accounting for incredible motor reflexes in human gunners and fighter pilots, but the former two seem odd and interesting to me. Human crewed ships made up less than 11% of the Federation war fleet, and yet 
The Dark Ram Imperial Guard specifically requested we surrender to the human fleet admiral, believing her to be the prophetic figure from an ancient culture. As an enemy shielded from harm by the gods, she was said to symbolize the shift in divine mandate away from the Darakan, to quote their fleet admiralty. Whenever we targeted her flagship with clear lines of sight, our autonomous weapons simply couldn't bring themselves to fire. They all malfunctioned, almost as if they turned their own relays in protest. Their allies, the fundamentalist theocratic Grafton Dominion, referred to the humans as unkillable apes from hell. As for the Jaskan hearings, where the Darkened Alliance was formally dissolved and tried the war crimes under the Federation law and annexed, Eight Dominion officers from the ground campaign of Yuktus II became violently ill and vomited on the podiums when faced with a human lieutenant who had single-handedly disarmed their entire colony. Allegedly, he ended up getting half of their shock troops with a single 30-round magazine in his rifle. His devilish smile jammed the divine light on the stellar lances, tempting their purest crystal cores into the darkest depths of his heart. Lieutenant Daniels, who has since been promoted to Major, said that he was just a grunt doing his part for the Marines. A quick scan of his biology confirmed that he was entirely within standard human benchmarks and all tested parameters. In other words, he was quite unremarkable by human standards. And yet, he faced certain doom and survived. From our side of the curtain, pulling tails emerged from the human survivability and skill far beyond their normal tolerances. At its side, a Guruku field sergeant who served on the Halmaltakun front told stories of the human sniper that, in one shot, killed six Darakan soldiers, two officers, and a field commander with his defective AP round deflected off the commander's hardened neural interface fragmented into eight pieces and ejected directly into the skulls of the eight surrounding infantrymen from a distance of 5.621 kilometers. Lucky shot, said the entirely unfazed human sniper, despite having just smashed three Federation-wide records with a single pull of the trigger. The human infantryman stationed on Yorikolos 4 tried to shield his Federation comrades from a live pulse grenade by diving onto it. Somehow... The grenade self-disarmed. This was the only recorded time in combat that the Darakland grenade failed to detonate, despite more than two billion being used successfully throughout the ground campaigns. On the low-gravity mineral world of Farsh, a human commander managed to incapacitate an entire Dominion tank division by synchronizing dozens of anti-tank mines in a single blast. Flipping the first column into the second, which detonated into the third, which detonated into the fourth, and so on. It should be noted that prior to this unauthorized requisition of the mines from the Federation Garrison Squadron, he said, I have an idea. Such self-detonation of Dominion tanks had never been observed in battle up until this point, so how the human figured this strategy out would prove effective is unknown. In space, battle records and sensor data showed human-piloted ships completely evading otherwise fatal circumstances for no particular reason. In one case, it was a squadron of human Federation bombers riding the shockwave of a catastrophic graviton reactor failures from a Darakan Imperial-class carriers. The end emerging entirely unscathed. Sensor data showed nothing out of the ordinary, despite the proximity of a gigaton detonations and extreme levels of gravitational flux. 
The specific bomber wing referred to themselves as bell-bottoms. What significance that name holds is unknown. In the same battle, one Federation pilot watched two Dominion railgun rounds, each traveling at appreciate fraction of speed of light, smack into each other in less than a quarter kilometer in front of a human frigate. Somehow, the near-light-speed fragmentation dispersed in such a way that neither of the ship nor the enormous escort of human fighters took any hull damage. In a different battle, a human destroyer dropped out of FTL and rematerialized into the side of another human destroyer. The combined vessel suffered no loss of functionality in combat. As far as our physicists knew, conjoined materialization was impossible. The Pauli exultion principle would be breached and atoms would be rectified this forcing by fusing together, generating radiation, pressure, and explosion. Post-battle structural scans showed that precisely no heavy elements were formed, and that the bond between the two ships was more resembled a seamless three-dimensional contact world than that of a collision. The mechanism of this is yet unknown, and further study is underway. These tales shook the scales and feathers of many of the statisticians in my office. So, as the war drew to a close, I devised a survivability index, a species-wide metric that took into account species participation and ship damage data across the Federation and compiled it into a single scalar between 0 and 10. I had high hopes. This statistic provided that most every instance of damage of interstellar space was random that the crews and vessels are largely mixed should match evenly between species, regardless of localized fitness or intellect. The only way to score high in this would be a frontline ship that suffered absolutely no damage over the course of the war. This should account for the humans being so skilled and tacticians and engineers, because the Daraktan invaders used luminal beam weaponry and relativistic kill missile rounds that cannot be dodged at close range. And engineers can only repair damage that has at least already occurred. Therefore, if there is any correlation, it must be by an incredible random luck alone, which tends to cancel itself out over time. Additionally, since the humans were disproportionately more likely per capita to volunteer in frontline roles, I expected their score to be considerably lower than the rest of the Federation. The medium for the Federation was 3.7356, with a relatively small standard deviation of 0.5828. Humanity scored 9.94. They managed to land 10 entire standard deviations above the medium on a statistic that is, by definition, completely random with an existing and predetermined mathematical bias against them. I've hushed this data from going public or even getting archived for obvious reasons, the most important of which being that I find it unfitting to feed the human's ego with the notion that they are more like gods, lest they start to actually believe it. Alas, that is the conclusion that I and others have collectively and objectively reached. They are nothing like us. And somehow, they haven't quite figured it out yet. To sum it up, humanity routinely demonstrate its ability to entirely defy logic, and in some cases, basic physics. Being around them makes you two orders magnitude more likely to survive the day, no matter the circumstances. They are smart, fast, courageous, strong, and enduring, yes, but they are also unbelievably and inexplicably lucky. That 
is ultimately why I am leaving my post. I may have served well in the relative safety of a Federation stronghold and a jewel of the capital world, but if there's one thing I've learned throughout my encounters with the odd high apes from the death world of the galactic fringe, there is no place in the universe safer than on the bridge of a human ship. And that, High Chancellor, is precisely where I intend to go. Yours truly, and Kwashi Saka and Quasar Statistical Combine. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.